Good afternoon. You are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans have expressed ourselves through time. I hope everyone's doing okay. We're obviously still in lockdown, but things are starting to ease up a bit. I don't know about you, but it's giving me a little bit of hope that uh, things will go back to normal uh, soon-ish, maybe. Maybe that's just a bit naive, I don't know. But it certainly feels good that restaurants and pubs are going to be starting to open. I have made an actual list of all the places that I'm going to go to first. I don't know if that's sad or not, but what can I say? I love food. Um, I'm going to keep this intro short uh, because I have an amazing amazing guest this week. His name is Gary Nichols and he is a conceptual photographic artist. Now please, I I mention this every time, but go onto Google, type in Gary Nichols photographic artist and you will see work you have never ever seen before. This style is so unique. His images are incredible. They tell such amazing and intricate stories. Um, Gary plays with light in order to really emphasize every single detail in his incredible photographs. Gary prints on metal so the quality is exceptionally good and it looks like everything's backlit so it, we talk about Gary's ideas and you know when you speak to artists you think how on earth do they come up with these wacky ideas well Gary speaks a lot about that because his ideas are really quite out of this world enjoy my interview with the very talented and the very down-to-earth Gary Nichols So I am here with Gary Nichols, who is a conceptual photographic artist. Hi, Gary. Hello. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Good. It's where I like to start when I'm talking to artists, um, particularly artists that have a very unique way of working, is for them to kind of describe their work so that people can gain an idea of what we're talking about when we're speaking about your work. Okay, well, um, you've already said I'm a conceptual photographic artist. So mm-hmm. just to explain what that means, it's um, I create multi-layered composite images that actually come entirely from my imagination, but they are photographic. So that's my medium. Um, every element of my images I photograph, photograph myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I see the image and then go wherever I need to in the world to photograph the sections that will make up each image. So for example, I've got a number of street scenes um, that I've created. One in particular, uh, 600 hours work, 2000 layers in Photoshop. It's got 37 buildings from all over the UK, 150 steampunks photographed in a studio. Um, And the reason I do that is because I can control the light. Um, and then I put the image together and then the image is um, then printed on Chrome Lux Metal. So you get a 4K television screen type image that looks 3D almost as though you can step into it. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of Gary's work online and, and, and it looks phenomenal online. I can only imagine what it <laughs> looks like in the flesh. Uh, I bet it's something really, really special. So, okay, so we've described some of your work and, and the style you describe as, as kind of steampunk, which for those yep. of you, I had to Google this, as I told you. Uh, <laughs> how would you describe what steampunk means to those people that don't know what that is? Okay, so um, here's one way of looking at it. Firstly, the, the term was coined by a cyberpunk a novelist um, and people picked that up and thought, whoa, and if you don't know what cyberpunk, is that's uh, Blade Runner is start cyberpunk. Right. So, um, <laughs> so uh, if you think so, during Queen Victoria's reign, 
we had the Industrial Revolution, the Great Exhibition, which wasn't the Great Exhibition of just Great Britain. It was a Great Exhibition of the world. Um, and it was all about, uh, so steam power was used extensively in the, in the uh, Industrial Revolution, etc. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine that that had carried on, so everything we've got now was steam powered. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think even Honda had an advert out last year where everything in the office was like the photocopier and everything was powered by steam. So, you know, um, and then if you think of sort of Jules Verne or films such as League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, that's kind of, that's how steampunk sits with me because you could ask a hundred steampunks and you'd get a hundred different answers. Right. So for me, it's about Victorian dress um, with uh, amazing gadgets. It's unbelievably creative. There is only one rule, and that is to be splendid, which uh, given these <laughs> times we're in now, given these times we're in now, it's a bit of a shame that um, uh, that's not the case with everyone. So it just means to be polite, be a gentleman. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I would say about, so there's been comments on my work over the, the years that I've been doing it. And one of them was, I think, you must smoke skittles <laughs> and so therefore so my hashtag now on instagram is skittle smoker because uh people think that i'm obviously you know i get asked so many times what is my drug of choice because clearly i'm taking something <laughs> <laughs> I, I really can't explain it it's just that mm. you know i fell into steampunk because i wanted a project that was unusual I went to the Lincoln Steampunk Festival, which is the biggest festival in the world. Uh, I think 250,000 people went through the high street last year. Wow. It's on August bank holiday every year in Lincoln. And I met two people and that's where it started. That is amazing. So, I like how the best things tend to be those stories where you have no idea what your life was going to be. And then this one. Oh, completely. So yeah, when I Googled steampunk, it was, uh, it was kind of, it was historical clothing and uniforms, but with a kind of, uh what's the word science fiction twist which is correct you described it a yeah. lot a lot better than than google did, well but... uh somebody did say to me <laughs> it's johnny rotten meets emily bronte sure I quite like oh, that <laughs> i want a bit of background on you because i know you have an interesting story as well so how did you become an artist in the first place how did you get into you know the creative world so I um, I was a design technology, technical drawing and art teacher at Southwest London School in the early 80s. Um, and I, that's what I actually went to uni to to do. My father painted paints um, and always has done. He got me into photography when I was three years old. But I didn't really pick a camera up then until 2007 um when we went on a big holiday and uh, i just thought you know what i'll buy a new camera and because it's digital and i'd been used to film mm. i had to relearn it joined a camera club to just learn how to do that and then realized what you could do in photoshop yeah. and i've always had um an unbelievable imagination i can i can see if i'm you know working on a project i can see it finished completely mm. um so actually, when I'm creating my art with all the models that I use, I, I am directing them as though it's a film. Nobody poses for me. They are acting. Yeah, yeah. So they've got a proper character. 
you know, you visualize everything from start to finish, which is quite phenomenal. Um, but I also want to talk about your influences. The visuality of your work is quite specific and I can definitely see influences. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'd love you to talk about that. I think it helps people visualize your work. So my thing is light. So as a photographer, you would normally concentrate on depth of field and focus. So if you want, if you were taking a portrait of somebody, then the background really doesn't matter because you're taking that portrait and you're focused on them. However, with me, every bit of the image from corner to corner matters. So every bit is in focus. There's no depth of field, but I use light to tell the story. So I studied the way that Caravaggio and Vermeer used light to tell a story. Now they did it with a paintbrush. I'm obviously doing it with lights and studio, etc. But I try to achieve the same look because, it, and that's what people say straight away. Uh, yeah. They always compliment me on the, on that fact that the lighting and the the detail. It's all about detail. Detail is the biggest um, single thing. And then it then throwing into the mix a bit of Salvador Dali and a bit of craziness that's kind that's kind of what how my style developed really to give you an idea um one of the characters uh, in my book she is a um lecturer uh, at university in uh, health sciences um, but she's also um she's a burlesque and um a uh, aerial artist on a pole and a lyra hoop and so that's how i got to know her and that's how she ended up in my story because I was photographing her um, as part of uh, some promotion and stuff for her and then she became part of the story but Amazing. she has an act which is Alice in Wonderland so I photographed her in all the way through her act in a studio and then I reduced her down to miniature size built the Mad Hatter's tea party table put her all over it during her act. So she's coming out of a teacup, she's sitting on a cake stand, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the back of it, there's a full size of me with a big magnifying glass looking at her doing her act. Amazing. That, but, but you see, that uh, came to me just from seeing her act. I got the idea from that. Yeah. And I knew exactly what it was going to be. You're a true creator. And, you can see these things before they're happening. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and also it staggers people how quick it happens. So there's one image that uh, I've got, which is called The Secret Falls, where it's a, it's a woman in a Victorian uh, dress uh, sitting in, a, in the water of a waterfall where the water is her dress. Right. But she just walked into the studio in that blue dress, and I said to her, hmm sit down on the floor, pulled all the dress out. And she said, what, what, what's this for? I said, you're going to be a waterfall. I saw that <laughs> just from seeing that dress. I work it then into my story because she's a character in my, in my book. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about your book. It's called The Imaginarium. And uh, it's, it's had, you've had the first book's been released. The second one was supposed to be released, um, am I right, recently? But yeah. Coronavirus yeah. put a spanner in the work of that. Um, so Completely. yeah, talk to this book. <laughs> Um, so the first book has 150 genuine steampunks in it. You cannot be in it if you're not. I don't use models. I use real people. 
Um, but the first book is about a baby that's born into a um, workhouse. And the whole of the first book story is about her, but there are 42 characters in that book and you are following their lives. In the final book of the trilogy, you find out they all come together and you find out why their stories are all interlinked. And these are stored now, through images as well. I want to make that clear to, to the people listening. Yeah, so, these are yeah, so what... Separate images, yeah. aren't they? So basically, you have, uh, you'll have a page with one of my um, pieces of art and on the uh, opposite page will be the story that relates to that. It's important also to say that not everything is written down. It's up to you to see the stuff that's in the pictures, basically. Um, and they vary in complexity. Some of them are ridiculous. I also wanted the book to be um, published at the same quality of my metal print, so it, it, it costs a lot of money to have it printed. I think the thing that worried me I knew I could create the pictures, but writing the story was a whole other ball game because I haven't done that since I was at school. <laughs> um, so we, well, we sent the story to eleven people who didn't know me, and they all came back and said, "What well, crikey, when's book two coming out?" So I thought, okay, obviously the story works. So essentially, the story centres around this two different families. One of them is um, she's um, runs a bordello. The baby born at the beginning, who's born in the workhouse, gets sold to work in the bordello. And then through a series of events, uh, Dr. William Percival Stockdale saves her from the bordello. But in doing so, um, the twin sister to the bordello owner gets killed. Corvus the witch is their mother. And it sets up this whole big um, revenge thing at the end of the first book. But you have... Basically, there are witches in it. It's it's fantasy, steampunk. There's, I love it. there's time travel. Murder. It's got, it's got betrayal. It's got yeah, like, everything. Yeah, it's got <laughs> witches. And to, well, and to give you an idea, so it's fantasy, isn't it? Um, ultimate fantasy art. It's amazing. Yeah. And I saw uh, also one thing to say too is that I see the image and build the story around it. I don't write the story first. I've got two steampunk angels that are in the story. They're time travellers. Uh, they are now, but they weren't at this point because I really wanted them sitting on a wall at the top of the Rockefeller Centre at twilight with the Empire State Building in the, in the background. Right. I had that vision. I went there, bought a twilight ticket, went up the top, took the picture I wanted, come back and actually put it all together. But I could not work out how the hell this was going to fit into the story because the Empire State is Art Deco. So obviously, right. doesn't fit. And then someone went, well, time travel. So now what happened, that then led on to another part of the story where they end up coming forward in time because they've uncovered a, um, a kidnapping plot. And that gave me my shot. They can talk about what's going on without being overheard because no one knows who they are. And they're just sitting there. That gave me the idea uh, of the backgrounds of the picture and um, so I did a few more pictures that led into it and a few more that led out of it and actually it worked perfectly but I really really wanted to do that image but that second book will have 500 steampunks in it and the final one will have 4,000 so it's it really is bonkers um, completely your work only really works because of the, the detail is is what makes your work what it is mm. so you're right to kind of you know the quality is 
is amazing and it has to be really isn't it to make it work yeah i think it's also something to note is that i don't just do steampunk images <laughs> um i do other series so uh, i have to have a break from the imaginarium it becomes too intense yeah so you know the other uh, images on my website the uh, the gallery images there there are series of pictures which are not steampunk but again they are crazy so i've i've got a picture of that i've done of corella deville where she is actually her skin is dalmatian and she's surrounded by uh, dalmatian puppies which again that was a crazily ridiculous picture to create because first of all you've got to find the dalmatian puppies which took that's not an easy job anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know that again it's uh it, but it's the, the image that i had i just had in my mind um and it's you know it's i am lucky that the people that support me and are in my images are in them because they want to be in them yeah um i don't have to actually pay anybody because I end up, well, I've got, I get too many people uh, emailing me wanting to be in my work, but uh, yeah. they are just, they just feel uh, that they want to be a part of it, which is fantastic. What, what's it called, the, the Corella de Ville piece? Um, it's called Corella Reborn. Gary showed me this image um, and it is absolutely incredible. And you can see that he's obviously taken, you've taken the photographs. I mean, we'll talk about your process in a second, but each, you know, there's a car in it. It's reflected the windows and the lights and everything has got these puppies in it. And that's all kind of, uh, you know, Photoshop work that you've done. And in which case I'm kind of leading on nicely to my next question, which is what is your... <laughs> What is your creative process, Gary? Because we've talked a little bit about this, but you've got these visions of these really kind of intense images and, and I want to know how they come to fruition. Okay, so if I, if I, let's just say for argument's sake that I'm going to create a new image and um, I know what the background or where the setting needs to be. I will then go on to uh, Google Images and find that place that matches what I've got in my mind. Right. And then I, that's where I say to my wife, uh, this is where we need to go for a holiday this year because I've got to photograph it. <laughs> <Not that. laughs> uh, and so I, I did. Um, and so last year, for example, for the second book last year, we went to um, uh, Spain and there was parts of um, Spain like Alhambra. I photographed some of that because um, there's another image which you haven't seen uh, I think it's on my Instagram, but I haven't, um, I've not spoke about it. It's a woman that is mega, mega tall. But the background I wanted to set her in is, um, was at Alhambra. It was a room at Alhambra and I wanted her in that picture. So she's got uh, blackbirds on her, on her shoulder and the feathers are falling off onto the floor. She's got this huge, great big long walking stick that she uses, but she's seriously ceiling height in Alhambra and that's because she's the guardian of the time travel tunnel in the second book and the tunnel I wanted for that is from Poland the salt mines went down the salt mines to photograph the uh, tunnel because I'd seen that yes that's what I'm looking for well that's guarded by a huge clockwork living statue and the clockwork statue's hands are actually two women touching their toes. And when those women open, the doors to the tunnel open, which is between the statue's feet 
oh and this God. woman guards it, guards it. Yeah. So that image, that image I'm talking about there. Oh my God. The hours of work that went into that is insane. Yeah, I can. Because it's a great big long hallway with this statue at the end. Yeah. So my process is first to realize and find the setting. I then photograph somebody in a studio because I can control the light. And when I then sit putting it together in Photoshop, I will edit somebody completely. So there could be 17 to 20 layers of editing on that person before they ever go into the background. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine if you've got 150 people in one oh. shot, that's how much time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. But you know, it's it's my thing. It's what I like. And and the thing is, what that has now happened is people know it's me. People yeah. see a picture and they will know that's me. A hundred percent. Your style is very unique. Hmm. So and also, I mean, printing on metal then becomes the main thing. I, I had a couple of images printed on paper when I started. The next one I had printed on metal. I just thought, wow. The light goes through and gets reflected back, so they look back lit. Yeah. So they come as they're floating panels. They're not framed. They sit uh, sort of uh, a centimetre off the wall, and uh, they literally glow when the light hits them. Yeah. So you create these. So you take the images. You you go to location. Take all of the separate people. Uh, each person image is, is taken separately. That's a different photo shoot, isn't it? Each animal is a different yeah. photo shoot. Each set yeah. is a different photo shoot. And then you sort of collate it all on Photoshop, which takes up to you know so many so many hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours. And then yeah. and then you print the design, the, the the final kind of composition onto this metal plating. Yeah. Um, so I only ever, I only, a lot of my work I print, I just have seven done. They yeah. are, and because it's American, Chrome Lux is American, they are all in inches. So they're right. 48 inches, which is 1.2 uh, meters, um, generally by uh, 24. Um, some of them are 48 inches square, some yeah. of them 36, etc. But, um, and some of them, if it's a real special one to me, I might only ever actually have do two of them. Mm. And so, you know, some of the latest ones I've done, they would be getting close to just uh, two being printed. Amazing. And, and, and I mean, you kind of talked through what it, what it means to print on metal um, and how that kind of gives it a luminosity as well. Um, and you can see on the website that the work really does seem to glow almost and it looks backlit as you said that's um, I've never I've never heard of printing on metal I have to say no and a lot of people get it confused with when they say metal prints that's not the same thing right a metal print tends to be uh, where they will print the image on paper and bond it to a metal mm. background that's not the same this is the image is printed in paper on paper it's laid onto a sheet of chrome lux so it's printed in reverse goes into a nine ton per square inch press. It's heated to 200 degrees C and the ink becomes impregnated into the Chrome Lux coating. Wow. Um, and that's why they look like they do. Yeah. I mean, they, they, it brings out the, the unbelievable detail and the color is astonishing. How did you find out about that process? Um, I went to uh, San Francisco and on Pier 39, pretty much opposite, there's a guy who takes photographs of the canyons and he prints on metal and he takes you into this darkened room and you sit down and he slowly turns the lights up and the whole wall 
was glowing and I thought, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. <laughs> and the very first one I printed, because I had to wait three years for it to come to this country. Yeah. Um, very first one I printed, that sold me completely. And I even if I do some small ones, you know, 20 inch or 16 inch images, I still haven't printed on metal. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And that's a hat that's become part of your style as well, hasn't it? And, and I guess now that yeah. you've experienced that, you can't go back once you've experienced the delight of um, No, and it's, <laughs> it's difficult. That. I mean, well, no, it's a little bit like, um, you know, you find what it is you like with your work and you don't want to go backwards because it is a backward step. Yeah. Of you know, for me to print on paper, it's a backward step. Yeah. I do print some very small ones and that's only because I was advised to. Um, you know, that sort of sell for a hundred quid, but they're only like nine by nine uh, limited run of paper prints. Yeah. Um, and that, I say, because I was uh, advised to, but uh, no, uh, the majority of my work sells between two and two and five and a half grand. So I don't, I don't really like doing that. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. And I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give um, listeners where to go. Uh, we'll, we'll give them where to go to view your work. But you really, you really have to see these images to believe what it is. Mm -hmm. about here. Every costume, every, um, every kind of prop, every, uh, you know, every person's features. It is so detailed. These layers of, of different photographs. It is really, really impressive. And I do urge everyone to to go and look at your work because it really is. Um, I've never seen anything like it. As I said, um, I know coronavirus has sort of scuppered a lot of your exhibitions and the book release of imaginarium the second book but what are you working on is there any is there anything coming up that you can talk about any places yeah i mean ordinarily i would i'm normally in a marquee at the lincoln steampunk festival that won't be happening this year in august but um, there we are very hopeful that uh, we will be at london comic con and birmingham comic con so um, we're invited guests in the Steampunk Emporium area. I have a whole big wall with all my images on it, but uh, there's there's some amazingly talented, creative people part of that set. We're all artists in our own way. Even the, you know people that make costumes or uh, they might make. Uh, as an example, one of the things is uh, Steam Wars, which is Steampunk Star Wars. Amazing. This gets better and better. I'm so, yeah. <laughs> so that, for instance, you you know, you have got a steampunk Darth Vader costume, which they look stunning. So all of the people that are part of the team that run that area, um, I'm I'm part of that as a as a guest with them. But um, we are invited guests to all the com big comic cons because they we're unusual. And to be fair. Every exit poll votes us as being the best stand. So we, you know, we understand why that is. Amazing. Yeah, When is, when is Comic-Con happening? Um, so London, London is October, uh, round about October half term. And then November uh, um, is Birmingham at the NEC. Unfortunately, Excel at the moment is obviously Nightingale Hospital. So yeah. we, we wait to see what happens. Yeah. But if nothing happens this year, it, you know, it's, it is just got to take it on the chin and uh, get ready for next year, really. Well, I really, just... hope, I really hope, I feel like the world needs art right now. So I'm, I'm really hoping that you get the chance to showcase again uh, and be the most popular exhibition. <laughs> um, where can listeners <laughs> go to, to see your work? I mentioned definitely going to see it. Where can they go and do that? 
So uh, if you look at me on social media, I am Art Imaginarium, all one word, for Facebook, Twitter, and comic um, Instagram. Comic <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, and, <laughs> and my website, uh, the book website is imaginariumtrilogy.co.uk. And the, my main art site is g-n-p.co.uk, which is basically Gary Nichols Photography. So it's g-n-p.co.uk takes you to the site. Amazing. Definitely go and do that. I'm going to go back and look at your work because it's impressed me so much. Uh, thank you so much for talking to me, Gary. No, no, really thank lovely. you. It's been, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for your kind words. I told you it was wacky. I mean, you've got Alice in Wonderland, you've got steampunk, you've got Victorians, you've got time travel, you've got everything. <laughs> I thought it was so interesting to find out that Gary sees the visions before he actually makes the artwork. So interesting. Um, that is unfortunately all we've got time for this week. And thank you so much for listening to Art Then and Now with me, Anna Gammons. If you would like to contact the show, then you absolutely can. Please visit Anna Gammons Art on Instagram where you can send me a message. And yeah, I hope everyone's keeping okay. We can see the light at the end of this corona tunnel. So that's good news. I look forward to chatting to you next week at 3.30 on Resonance 104.4 FM. Goodbye.